to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Parents, this is just a little PSA. If you normally listen with your kiddos around, you might want to consider listening alone for this one because of the mature content. We do talk about some important things. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm Julie Graham. And you know what? Today is fun because we are coming to you on set, which means I've had a little bit of a different day. I got up later and like relaxed and did my own thing this morning to be here for this. Oh, Julie, you got up late? Weird, right? Yeah, really weird. I'm Darlene Brock and I got up early. I woke up at like 545. No. Yes. Go figure. Did you get up? I got up at 6. Okay, 15 minutes of leisure before I crawled out of bed. But then... Wait, wait, wait. So did you have to get your own coffee? Because Dan certainly wasn't up. I did. I did. (laughs) I had to make the coffee this morning. But what I did after my coffee is I pulled my phone out because I saw yesterday Dillard's was having 30% (laughs) off of their clearance. Priorities. Yeah. So you know what? I went shopping first thing this morning. So I've had a good day so far. So we both made it through our morning and arrived on set. We're recording today with a friend of ours doing some recording and video to introduce you guys to a new friend of ours. We have Christy Ivy with us today. She and I met a couple years back um, when she came to speak at my women's Bible study. She's actually a local pastor's wife in one of the other prominent churches in my community, and we're so excited to have her today. Christy is the founder of Christy's Cause, which is a nonprofit dedicated to eradicating child sex trafficking and exploitation through education, awareness, restoration projects, and justice initiatives. She's a wife of 31 years, mom of two amazing kids, Mimi to four grandkids. She's an artist and a poet. She's a lover of chunky sweaters, yoga pants, and fuzzy slippers. Oh, you can relate. Basically, she's going to be your best friend, right? Yeah. So, Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me here today. Christy, we're really glad you've joined us because this conversation seems to be going on a lot, and that is human trafficking. And it's it's kind of removed from my world, but I know it's a passion of yours. So can you give us a little bit of information of what it even is? Absolutely. According to Homeland Security, uh, human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always look the way we think it would. It is a very fluid crime that's continually escalating. And a victim honestly could look like a middle-class teenager at your kid's high school who is still living at home. Well, it's interesting that you describe it that way because I think for some of us who have little or no experience with it, our only experience is like the movie Taken or something. Right. Or we assume it's this problem that's not happening in our backyard or even in our country. And I think that that couldn't be further from the case. Am I right? That's correct. So you got involved in it in Southwest Florida, which is where we are. It, it doesn't go on here, does it? Oh, yes. It's, it, unfortunately, it's a crime that deals with supply and demand. So anywhere there is a demand, which means buyers, mm. uh, there's going to uh, be a supply. So yes, it is happening in every community in the United States, including ours. Okay, well, I need a little bit of clarification on, you know, what's considered human trafficking, what's sex trafficking, is there a difference, or are there some terms that we need to be aware of just as we begin this conversation? 
Julie, that is a great question. Um, human trafficking is broad. It involves people of all ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involves labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So Christie's cause focuses specifically on eradicating sex trafficking and exploitation, and I'll get into the difference on that okay, in good. a second, of minors. So um, 17 and under. So when we're talking about sex trafficking of minors, we're talking about any commercial sex act that is involving a minor is sex trafficking. The difference between sex trafficking and exploitation would be that commercial aspect. Um, A child can be exploited uh, for pornography, sexual abuse images, um, for sex acts, but when they, when there's an escalating factor there where money is involved, okay. um, and there's the sale of sex, whether that be in pornography or sex acts, that's when it moves from exploitation to sex trafficking. Christy, I'm sitting here thinking I kind of like to be arm's length from some of those thoughts mm-hmm. and some of those situations to think of the horror of children getting in, sucked into this and involved in it. But you obviously have a passion for it. You created Christie's Cause, which I love the name. It is your cause. Why? What made you, what drew you to this? What made you want to do this? Well, unfortunately, I grew up in a very abusive home. Although I was never sex trafficked, thank the Lord. Um, I was sexually exploited by my father for from the time I was five until I was 18. Um, as a result, I still suffer with the psychological effects of that. I have PTSD, OCD, um, high-level anxiety, and I have a great passion um, that no child uh, would ever have to endure um, that type of uh, assault, especially when a sexually assaulted victim is continually taken advantage of and trafficked. I just want to say, just hearing you share that, I'm just really thankful for your bravery to be willing to share that part of your story. Um, And also just want to say that I'm super inspired that you would take the horror that you've experienced and turn it around and allow it to be used to affect other people in such a positive way. So thank you for being an example of a strong grit and grace woman in that. Um, And the fact that you chose to turn this into your life's mission really deserves some um, commendation. So thank you for that. Oh, Julie, that's so kind for you to say. It was a long journey. Mm. Um, I did not get involved in this arena um, until I was in my late 40s. And I had a lot of healing to do personally before. Mm -hmm. Darlene, when you said, I tend to like to keep myself at arm's length distance, I too was there. Mm -hmm. As a pastor's wife, I was at a very young age married and put into a situation where there were a lot of expectations on me to look a certain way, to perform a certain way. 
and quite honestly, some unrealistic religious expectations for me to not have any personal issues. Mm. And I did the best I could, and I chose to disconnect myself from my past. And But that only lasts so long. Mm-hmm. Your past has a way of coming up and hunting you down and catching up to you. Mm-hmm. And um, then you, you kind of have to take care of business and face things. And after I worked through years of therapy and on myself, I was able to step into the arena and kind of take my eyes off my own problems mm-hmm. and realize, hey, how can I use this to positively help others. You know, I love that, Christy, because I think for our listeners out there, they may be struggling with something that they went through in their lives. And we want to encourage you to help yourself first, to find healing yourself first, because you can't you can't step out and help anyone else until you are, and I'm not even saying fully healed, because I don't know how in this lifetime anyone could be fully healed. But to find your way and to to rid yourself of some of the things that are blocking your ability to step forward. So, you know, I, I think that's amazing that you said that because I think every single woman who has gone through anything in life has to start there before they can create their own cause, whatever they're they're supposed to do next. Absolutely. We should never project our trauma or our issues onto another person. And I feel that if we can't separate that and step into the arena where we're free from projecting our own things on others, we're not going to be effective. Because you know what? Then it becomes more about us than it does the victims that we're trying to help. Amen. Well, tell me a little bit more specifically what Christie's cause aims to do? What, what's your kind of um, your purpose and the types of projects and initiatives you guys are a part of? Well, Julie, as you mentioned, we work to eradicate child sex trafficking through education, awareness, restoration projects, and justice initiatives. So kind of how that plays out, we're passionate about developing educational programs such as We Care, which was a collaborative project with Lee Health FGCU and Christie's Cause, Um, we got feedback from ER nurses at Lee Health, and they approached us for a meeting. And we were sitting at this table with these ladies who are seasoned ER trauma nurses, and they literally got tears in their eyes. And they said, Christy, we know we have survivors, we have victims that are coming through our ER rooms and falling through the cracks. Mm -hmm. We need help. And so I started asking them questions, and I heard that they didn't want a training developed by a mental health professional to tell them how to treat a victim in the ER room. Mm. They wanted a training developed by nurses for nurses. So that's what we did. We took their list of, of requirements, of things that they needed, time frame, information, um, very specific to their modality. We found a team of nurses and we developed the uh, training. So that's been very successful. Uh, We provide that free for healthcare professionals, and we even offer continuing education credits um, for that training through Lee Health. So that's a program that we are passionate about, that we invest a ton of resources into. I never would have even considered of thinking that way. 
I, I thought it was just amazing that we had our listening ears on. <laughs> we heard from the nurses. We heard what they wanted. And then we met their, their need. Yeah. And as a result, we've seen m- many victims rescued from Lee Health. Many victims have wow. been identified and rescued. This last summer, I was in Miami for a week-long human trafficking training. And a person came up to me at the training over in Miami and said, I know who you are. You're Christy with Christie's Cause. And We Care saved my client's life. The nurses at Lee Health recognized my 16-year-old client in the ER in downtown Fort Myers in the middle of the night, rescued her out of her situation. Wow. She is doing great. She is in a safe house, and she's moving forward with her life. Christy, I love that because you are in the trenches with the people who are in the trenches. And I think for anything that someone wants to take on, that's where to look. Look at whatever subject you're addressing. Look at the people who day in and day out are seeing the victims, are seeing the people who are struggling, and then help them. Then give them whatever they need to change someone's life. I'm amazed by that, and I think it's incredible. Darlene, as you were talking, my heart just felt so big for first responders in our community. I think we don't realize that they put their lives on the line every day to protect and serve our community. Um, And we don't realize that they see trauma every day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them suffer with vicarious trauma and PTSD. We have to come around around them. We have to appreciate them. We have to give them the tools they need to do their job, which is another thing we're really passionate about at Christie's Cause. Every year, we host um, an annual human trafficking symposium with FGCU, the state attorney's office. We have hundreds of first responders show up from our community. It's a day-long training. We love on them. We give them great coffee. We (laughs) give them great food. And we give them tools that they need to go out and effectively do their job. Um, And we're going to be hosting that here at um, this location, actually, um, on August the 28th. And it's going to be exciting to see hundreds of first responders feel appreciated Mm. and walk away with something that they can apply to their job to help survivors in our community. It's really cool. Love that. I need to put that on my calendar to see if I can maybe volunteer for that. All right. Is there anything else that Christie's Cause practically organizational wise does that you want to share? Sure. We're passionate about awareness mm. projects such as this one, yeah. um, where thank you guys for, for having me here so that we can discuss some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And we're passionate about educating parents yeah. because unfortunately, in this day and age, if your child has access to the internet, they're vulnerable. Mm. They're vulnerable. And parents need to know that. Okay. That's terrifying. That is a terrifying thought to think that my child, mine are grown, so I'm past this, but we have so many of our listeners and readers whose children are elementary, middle, high school, and they have every device in the world in their hands. They have an iPhone, they have an iPad or a tablet, they have you know their computer, and all of a sudden they are opened up to a world that we don't know about it about generally 
Christy, how can we protect them? How can we make sure they don't venture where it will be harmful or dangerous for them? So I know you have tips. Tell us what they are. Well, the first thing that's critical is that we cannot uh, presume that our children are not vulnerable. I have met survivors from upper-class homes, middle-class homes, good families, mm-hmm. that the parents thought their, their child would not be vulnerable. So what does create a vulnerability? I kind of think we need to start there. Um, you know, if a child feels isolated or depressed, um, they're going to be more susceptible to making friends online to help them feel that they know somebody that understands them. Mm -hmm. Um, How many girls do we know, young girls, that want a boyfriend? Um, If there is that desire there, they're going to be more susceptible um, and flattered, quite honestly, if uh, some older boy, supposedly quote-unquote older boy, starts talking to them online. Um, And they're not able to recognize maybe this person behind this profile isn't who they're portraying their self Mm -hmm. to be. Um, So I think we need to recognize that there are predators online, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat, on the apps our children are using, and they have fake profiles And they are incredibly clever at identifying vulnerabilities, um, seeing what children are posting that would give them these signs and go moving in to target a vulnerable child. Well, and I can't, I've never seen a 12-year-old girl that doesn't start to get insecure, Mm -hmm. doesn't start to feel wonder about themselves, feel badly about themselves, want someone to give them, you know, a little bit of, you are pretty, you are special, you are all these things, even if their family's doing it, even if everyone else around them in their home is supporting them, that insecurity strikes, and they usually do it quietly. How do we know? So I I can see how this could be an easy target for someone like this. Yes, it's it, very true, exactly as you described. So I think it's kind of important as parents that we start age-appropriate conversations with our children from a very young age. Well, like, like how young? Toddlers. Okay. Age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just based on body safety. Mm. You can say things in a very age-appropriate way, like no one should touch you underneath where your bathing suit is. That's like a good boundary for a child's body. And you should never see a video or or TV shows of people uh, where their body parts are showing under their bathing suit. Okay. So I think that's a, a very easy way to start with toddlers. Also, no one should touch your body in an inappropriate way. Your body is your body. Yeah. And then also following it with, and if anything ever were to happen, you can always talk to mommy or daddy about it. 
Absolutely. We have to create a safe place where children know that they can tell us whatever Mm -hmm. and we are not going to judge them. We're not going to immediately jump to conclusions. We're not going to blame them, but we'll, we will protect them. It makes me want to put, you know, corduroy pants and turtleneck bathing suits on my children. Okay, let's just, let's just put you in body armor because I want to make sure you're so protected. Yes. Because that's, you know, that is, that's a very good way to say it, though, Christy. That's an easy communication that I think any parent can have with their child and their child understand it. Um, so that's toddler. How do you work? You've got to grow your conversation with their age, correct? We have to keep the conversations going. And um, honestly, it's very important that we teach our children proper names for body parts. Um, Studies are showing us that predators are uh, alarmed or, or discouraged if they initiate a conversation with a child that uses the proper names for body parts and not nicknames. The reason Mm -hmm. is that that means parents have had discussions with those children. That means that they've probably also discussed body safety. And that's a a kind of a deterrent for a a predator. Uh, And, you know, I think it's good to use proper body, uh, proper names for body parts. When we give nicknames um, of, of body parts to our children, we, we don't nickname our arm or our leg. But why is it that we nickname private body parts? Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of speaks something to children that we don't necessarily mean to, that they should be ashamed of their body parts or not want to discuss body parts. Mm-hmm. But I think we it's okay to have natural conversations, healthy conversations about body parts and their, their proper names. That is such helpful information. And I know some of us are hearing that and feeling awkward about, well, I've, I've been using this nickname for so long and how do I make the transition? And I get it. It might be kind of awkward, moms, but this is so crucial that we actually take these things right home and apply them as soon as you're comfortable. And that, that means you got to like get on it. Don't put it off <laughs> until you're, you're comfortable. But this is super helpful and practical information. Are there any other tips that you think would be helpful for moms to be aware of kind of on that preventative or even noticing signs? Um, you said something about predators look for vulnerabilities when they're maybe looking online. What are some vulnerabilities that our child might show in the way they're posting online? Well, absolutely. That's a great question. I think we need to teach our children two two main things. We need to teach them not to overshare, and we need to monitor um, their activities online. So oversharing really is critical. This is how predators um, kind of hone in on vulnerabilities. So we need to make sure that we're letting our kids know, obviously, not to ever post anything about their neighborhood, their community, their location, their address, any personal information. But even beyond that, I had a really rough day today arguing again with my parents. Mm. Um, That's going to show there's conflict in the home. Predators try to use that to bring an alliance, um, form an alliance with the child, any bullying at school or arguments with friends, any comments like, 
that seem that they're down or depressed or going through difficult times, anything that kind of reveals your mood, your state of mind, uh, predators use these types of things to build an alliance with a child. Boy, I think that's a tough one, Christy, because it seems in the world today, that's where kids say what they think and what they feel. Mm -hmm. It seems as if online is where they put all their emotions out and all of their angst. And who are they going to tell? They're mad at their parents. They're not going to tell their parents, you know. And so I get, I totally get that vulnerability. But as a parent, how, how do you encourage that? Do you, are there examples? Are there, I mean, it's, are there great scare tactics? I don't know. What, what do you do to say, please just don't say too much? Or can we protect them another way? These are such huge questions that, you know, I don't think we've seen a generation yet really grow up that has lived their life so transparently on the internet. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that we've even really, Um, have enough data to show how that's going to affect the next generation. But um, I think we can teach our kids healthy, safe ways to express their emotions and their feelings. For example, journaling. Mm. This is a wonderful place for children to be able to express all of those things, all of their struggles, but where personal, private, in a private journal. So I think we can kind of teach them other techniques and other ways that they can express their self that are safer. Are there any other maybe tools and resources you would recommend parents be aware of, you know, maybe to help monitor their child's internet activity or even, you know, non-electronic tools that we can be aware of? Yes. Um, I have a great friend uh, who is with the Collier County Sheriff's Office. And he is in the uh, unit uh, that deals with sex crimes against children, the Special Victims Unit and the Human Trafficking Task Force. And I was shocked when he told me that majority of the cases in Collier County of child exploitation are happening on Instagram, Mm. Facebook, and Snapchat. Just because every other kid is using this these apps does not mean that's a wise choice for our families mm-hmm. and for our children. Um, I think also it's uh, very important for parents to know that they should never allow their children to be behind locked doors with their device. Is that is the most common location where self-produced sexual abuse imagery occurs. If they are in the bathroom or in the bedroom, especially at night, behind locked doors with their device, they can be targeted by a predator to produce their uh, sexual abuse images that they send to to a predator. So um, I have friends who have their children check their devices in before bedtime, Mm -hmm. and they're not allowed behind closed doors with their device. Yeah. I mean, oh, I think that's great. I'd break the door down. <laughs> you you want to protect your child from someone out there. So mm-hmm. makes sense, Christy. You know, there's there's also um, great parental protections on Apple phones and Androids. Uh, for example, 
Apple devices have a protection application located under screen time and settings, and Android devices have family link. Um, we've even seen cases where predators are having children download apps at night after hours to talk to children and have them delete that app after the discussions um, and sexual abuse imagery has been passed. And so parents are checking the phone, but that app is being downloaded over and over again every night. So you can also access applications on phones that lock, have parent passcodes, where you can lock a child's ability to download apps okay. or delete apps. Um, and you can even put timing devices where it kind of locks out their, their ability to use uh, the phone at night. And there's even software, quite honestly, that you can buy, like SafetyNet, that you can download and put on your children's devices that help you even secure that device further. So there's definitely lots of resources out there to help parents. I'll make sure that we get these resources from you, whether it's we just go ahead and have you put them into an article. Yes, and thank you. <laughs> and we'll link to it in the show notes because I know as I'm listening it, I have a five and a half year old. So I'm in the I need to be having safe body contact conversations with my son. Um, he doesn't have a ton of electronic screen time where he would have access to these types of things. But I know there are some people who are listening thinking, eh, this feels overwhelming. I have so many things I need to be doing, and I kind of want to put my head in the sand and pretend I didn't hear this conversation. If there's anything that you take away from this, this whole episode, it's that we cannot do that. We have to take action. We have to take some steps to make sure that we are aware and that our children are protected. So we'll make sure to put all of these resources in the show notes. Christy, for parents of middle schoolers and teenagers where you're wanting to give them some liberty and you're wanting to allow them some freedom because ultimately they're going to leave your home. But at the same time, you know, when they were little, you said, don't run out in the street, you'll get hurt. This is a place they can get harmed. You know, so I think sometimes we're reticent to be protective of the devices, but everything you're telling me is we should be no matter what. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Um, I know it's hard. I've raised two children that are adults now that have their own children. And my daughter is actually one of our board members. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she was a teenager and we were kind of just in the throes of Instagram just starting. So we probably weren't dealing with um, as many of these social uh, media app issues. But uh, we were a, a Christian family, and she was in high school. She was cheering. She was playing lacrosse. And, you know, we've all heard it. All the other kids are mm -hmm. doing it. And we had different set of rules, and we definitely were not the most popular parents. Matter of fact, uh, the other parents would not sit with us at the football games. Mm -hmm. Um I would tr try to track my daughter down on, on a Friday night when she had missed her curfew, and I would call parents, and I definitely got insulted, and, and um, you know, I wasn't popular. Um, but I really honestly didn't care yeah. because um, at the end of the day, um, I was going to do 
everything to protect my child because I knew what it felt like to grow up in a home where there was no protection. No one stepped in on my behalf. No one was my advocate. I was raped hundreds of occasions and no one did anything about it. And as a child walking through that, I knew every single adult that I would look at that suspected. And I would wait Mm -hmm. for them to say something or do something. And they never did. I will not be one of those adults. And as parents, if we are not going to protect our children, at times even from their self, who else is going to step in and protect them? I'm just wondering how long the goosebumps on my body from this entire conversation are going to last today. Like this, this is so hard, but so, so good. I hope that some of our friends who have listened today are thinking, okay, I get it. This is a significant issue. I've, I've got to take some action in my own home. But what are some ways that our friends can get involved, whether they're here locally or wherever they may live, and being a part of eradicating this issue in their community? Well... First of all, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners for hanging in here Mm -hmm. and listening to this show, because that's where it starts. Education is huge. Mm -hmm. It is critical. And just by you guys staying in here with us, Mm -hmm. even when it's gotten uncomfortable, even when it's tough, and listening, you are educating yourself. And that is what we have to do as a community. That is what we have to do as parents. We have to educate ourselves and properly educate our children. So that's number one. And I would love for you guys to visit our website at christiescause.com. We have a resource tab where you can check out further educational pieces that will help you on your journey um, to becoming more educated. Um, We have an event here in Estero on Friday, March the 27th called Run for the Cause. We would love for you guys to check out our website and find out more information about that and join us. You can also visit websites such as sharedhope.org, which is an international organization. You can click on a few tabs there that take you to a wonderful page that shares every piece of legislation and uh, uh, broken down by your state and your location. You can click in there and support that legislation. We have to change laws to protect our children and hold these criminals accountable. We are finding right now that drug traffickers are getting more time than human traffickers. We all have to take a stand and change legislation. Christy, it's been great having you with us. I know this is not an easy conversation. It's not for Julie and I, and I doubt that it's easy for anyone, but it's necessary. It is so important that even though we'd like to keep things like this at arm's length, that we don't. Because as you said, if we don't fight for them, if we don't fight for the hurting and vulnerable, who's going to? So Julie and I would like to encourage our listeners to check out Christie's Cause, what you do, and support you, support you in your cause, because I can, I can see how important it is more now than even before we started, 
And, you know, I, I'm in. Julie's going to be running. Wait, I, are, why don't you run, too? Come no, on. You can I'll do watch. it. We I'll drink my coffee. Dark. No, we have time. We can train you and everything. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe. That just happened. say maybe. Oh, like you could have just said maybe. You I could have, but I'd be lying. You can you walk. Can, you, you love to walk, Dar. Okay. Yes. All right, All right yes. folks. We will post pictures. <laughs> we will let you know what really happens. Oh, that's awesome. And yes, we have we'll amazing race cheerleaders along the route that ha- are so encouraging. Go. So you will definitely be cheered on. Love it. Or maybe I could be one of those. Yes, I actually kind of like the idea of you being my the cheerleader. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Christy, thank you so much for your time today. And like I said, you guys are definitely going to need to check the show notes for this one to get your hands on all of these resources and just have an opportunity to get the information to follow you personally and be a part of what you're doing. So thanks again for just coming and being a part of this today. Thank you. To end this episode, we actually asked Christy for a quote. We thought that would be enormously appropriate, and she gave us one that is. If you see something, say something. With that said, we'll put the number for the National Human Trafficking Hotline in the show notes, so if you find yourself in that situation, you know where to call. Be sure to join us next week as we talk about something that actually I think kind of relates a little bit to what we said today, how each and every one of us has influence somewhere in our lives. We're talking about what that means for you on This Grit and Grace Life. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by The Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a grit and grace life with us or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.